I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Desiree Rios. Desiree and I met two years ago at a nature club group with our kids. We had so much fun together, and as you can guess by now, we've had a lot of conversations about books. We have so much in common in our lives and reading styles, so this should be a really fun episode. She is an avid reader and has prepared an awesome book flight for us today called History Through Stories. You are not going to want to miss it. Welcome to the show, Desiree. Thanks, Kara. So fun to hear about myself um, from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> to see how you are out in the world. I know. And as you said that, um, you know, we met at Nature Club and had so many fun conversations about books. I was just, uh, you know, imagining us in my head, just walking up a hiking trail, you know, wearing a baby or carting along another kid and trying to get in all these great conversations about things that we've read, you know, <laughs> 30 seconds of a conversation split over an hour. <laughs> yes. I specifically remember there was that time we were at the beach and I like had to go cause it was nap time. And I was trying to tell you about this book and I'm like, we'll talk about it later. Cause it was just such a mom life conversation, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which yep. is the same as the hiking trail. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm glad we get to have an uninterrupted conversation today. This is going to be great. <laughs> Well, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about your reading life? Um, so I've, I don't know if all your guests say this or most of them, but I've definitely always been a reader. Um, and I can remember being a kid and um, walking to school, to and from school with a book in my hands, you know, and like running into stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I I can't put it down, you know. Um, and for me, it was always... Um, an escape into another world. And I would even just, you know, find little nooks and crannies in my house behind the couch and, you know, behind a big recliner or something where nobody would bother me. Um, and I remember feeling like everything else fell away when I was reading. And I still feel like that as an adult. Um, and it's definitely the hobby and passion that I have that I would put over anything else. Um, so, and I'm starting to see that in my kids too, which I feel like Yay. is a gold star. My, my job here is done. You know? yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that has been my thing too. I'm like, I want to have a family of readers. Like we all sit around a fireplace and have family read aloud time every Sunday. Like this is my ideal dream and, and we'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah. One day when uh, chaos isn't ensuing and kids aren't interrupting you and they're not fighting and et cetera, et cetera. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with all that busyness of your life, how do you find time to read? Uh, well, I think it has to be um, made sometimes, you know, just like any self-care that we have as moms or as adults, if we want to prioritize something in our lives, we have to make time for it. Um so I definitely um, will find those little moments to read where I can, you know, if by the grace of God, I'm having a meal by myself um, or <laughs> I'm having coffee, you know, alone in the morning. A hot meal by yourself. <laughs> yes. Hot coffee and a book in silence is like heaven. Um, 
but I always make sure to always have a book with me too, if we're out running errands or something like that, um, you know, and I'm sitting in the car for a few minutes, um, which is also something I like to model for my kids, mm-hmm. um, being able to pull a book out of my purse instead of pull my phone out and yeah. social media, which I do also, but, mm-hmm. you know, we try to be, <laughs> <laughs> be better in the things we want to do each day. Um, but I probably find my most time for reading at night after the kids have gone to bed. Um, And as you know, my husband is active duty military, just like yours is. And so sometimes when he is traveling or when he's deployed, as hard as that is, there's a little silver lining in there for me. Like My evenings are totally free. Um, And I get to put the kids to bed and I make sure that I don't have anything else um, to do. You know, my chores are done and my commitments are taken care of so I can just put them to bed and the evening is mine to escape into those other worlds. Yeah, that is what I try to do too, is I try to get everything done before the kids go down because I feel like that's just the closure of the day. Like once the kids hit their pillows, the night is mine. (laughs) Yeah. And you look forward to it, right? I feel like as joyful as it is to be able to stay home with our kids and homeschool them as you and I both do. Um, and we know we're privileged to do that. It's hard and it's an exhausting day. And so I sometimes wake up in the morning looking forward to that evening time already, right? Like, okay, I got to get through these things and I'm going to do it. And I, I get this reward at the end of the night. Yeah. I was going to add too that. I think even as a, a new mom or someone with young, young babies, I found that, you know, you might be sitting there feeding the baby (laughs) hour after hour, but I would always have a book with me and that would just help pass the time or soothing the baby and listening to an audio book as I'm pacing the hallways. Um, And so I think it is can be an escape for, you know, any parent (laughs) who's in the throes of it, uh, not just those of maybe your husband's not gone, but I know there's also a lot of, um, you know, spouses that travel a lot for work. So but just having that little bit that's your joy in the day helps. And it's yeah. something you can always have. You don't need a babysitter to do it. <laughs> yeah. You can. And I think if, you, if you're trying to do it, you know, so many um, moms, but adults too, who want to add reading into their lives think, oh, you know, I don't have time for that. But as you, as you start trying, um, you will probably find that there are those little snippets throughout the day uh, that you can make happen for yourself if you really want it. Yeah. And great point about having the book with you. Cause then if you have that snippet of the day, you're prepared. It's right there. (laughs) Well, what type of books do you like to read? I like to read everything. Um, although funnily enough, I have a hard time choosing books for myself. Um, so like when I go to the library, I get really overwhelmed standing in the big stacks, you know, and Mm -hmm. just pulling a book out. So I love when they have those little, you know, tables in the front with like the librarian's picks or, you know, the themes of the month that they have. And I'll be like, oh, that cover looks interesting. Oh, I've, you know, oh, I've heard that book before. And I'll just pull a whole bunch of those. Um, And I like to have options because I feel like books for me are sort of like, um, you know, food or clothes or something. You feel like something different each day, depending on what else is going on. So I like to have a big stack of library books um, next to my bed. And once I close one, I'll kind of like, okay, what am I feeling like I'm ready for or like I need in my life at this moment? I also have stacks around the house. My husband kind of makes fun of me because I have like my morning reads and I have my evening reads. (laughs) 
because the mood just strikes me differently, you know, and each stack has three to five books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can't have a few different ones that you're reading at the same time, right? Um, for how you're feeling. I saw something on um, Facebook the other day when I was scrolling instead of mm-hmm. reading. Um, uh, but you find things there. And it said, um, I like to think of books as... I can't remember exactly what it said, but it compared it to a wine cellar, right? You don't have to drink all that wine as soon as you buy it, but you know, you'll go into your wine cellar and you feel like, oh, I need a nice red tonight. Or, you know, I've been saving this one for a really special occasion and then you get to pull it out, Um, which I thought, oh, that's great because I, like you have stacks of books that you haven't read um, that, you know, might strike you at a different time. Well, that is perfect for the show being bookish flights, right? The impetus being a flight of books is going to be a tasting or a sampling of books that pair well together. So this is the perfect segue there I think, you go. to start jumping <laughs> into your book flight today, which is History Through Stories. And I am loving the books that we are going to chat about today. So do you want to tell us about the first one that we'll be sampling? So the first one that I chose for our History Through Stories bookish flight um, was Ken Follett's Kingsbridge novels. Um, And there are, uh, it's a trilogy, and then he came out with a prequel as well. So there's actually four total. But the first one that uh, blew up the series really was called is called Pillars of the Earth. Um, And this whole series, um, starts in the middle ages and i love it because this author ken follett all of his um works that i have devoured teach you so much about the time period in which he's writing so you're not only really connecting with the characters um and the plot but you're learning so much about what life was like at that time and that is one of the reasons i have really Um, taken to him as an author because I hated history growing up. Mm -hmm. I hated those classes in high school and in college. I would never read what they told me to, even though I was an avid reader, um, because I just didn't connect to it and I didn't have any any reason to want to learn about it. Um, But when we learn about the past through vibrant characters that we connect to, it's easier for us to remember those things. And that has been what has made me fall in love with Ken Follett as an author. Um, So Pillars of the Earth takes place in the Middle Ages. And it's about um, a man who is, um, that's the word I'm looking for. He is uh, hired to build the greatest Gothic cathedral of all time. Um, And so it goes years and years and years um, through his plans to build this. Um, but you're learning about the wars that are going on at the time and, you know, the um, rivalries between church and state and all the um, the big names in history that we learn about in high school that you never really connect to. And you start to see, oh, this is how it all really comes together. Um, so those are a favorite for me for that reason. I think this was the first book for me that made me realize, oh, I really like historical fiction. And then Mm -hmm. ever since then, it has cracked open my world. I remember reading this back when we lived in Hawaii at our first duty station. So way back in the early 2010s and just devouring the whole series. Like these are quite lengthy books, but they are so worth it. I promise. He does such a great job of immersing you in this time period 
you'll love it. Like I love the books where I feel like I'm learning, but there's also a great storyline that's yes, running. Because you don't it. feel like you're learning, right? You yeah. don't feel like you're um you're opening up a textbook. But I've told people about this book so many times and have said I've learned more through these books than I did through years in a classroom. Um and it's just and so it feels like leisure, but you're also, you know, educating yourself at the same time. Um, so, and I have friends and my kids will joke with me too, you know, because I start so many conversations with, oh, I read about this in a book or I learned in a book, you know, and they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, okay, but here mom goes again. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, the only thing, honestly, I really remember about history was just that rote memorization to try to pass the test or whatever it was. I really, unfortunately, didn't take much out of it. So I totally yeah. agree with you on learning through stories because as an adult, I feel like I've kind of learned it all again in a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And something that's retainable too. Yes, yes. Um, and as I was as I was um, preparing to talk to you about these books, I haven't um, picked them up in a while. I read the, the prequel that came out a couple years ago when it came out. And, um, as I was kind of pulling them up again in my, in my mind, I was like, oh, I need to read them again. I'm excited to, you know, to jump into it one more time. So, and that's what I love about books too, is that they, it's not one and done, you know, when you read it 10 years later, 20 years later, you're in a different spot. And so you might pick up something that you hadn't before, um, or it might hit you in a different way. Yeah, we this year for our book club reread. Well, for me, I reread Anne of Green Gables, which I had not read since I was a child. And it hit me so differently. Like I resonated with different characters in the book Mm -hmm. this time now being a mother and not being a child. And it was I I don't reread much, but that gave me like, ooh, maybe I should reread more because like you said, you're just at a completely different period of your life. You've had more life experiences and you'll relate differently totally to the book. Yeah. I have read Anne probably five times over the entire series. Um, and my oldest son who's 10 um, has read the graphic novels. Oh, I didn't even know they had some. I think it's just, well, he's only read the first one. I think that's okay. what made into a graphic novel, but um, yeah, I resonate with different characters with her each time too. And it's, those are the books that I want to have a highlighter with the whole time, you know, and actually most of them, I've, I feel like I always want to like have a book journal and mm-hmm. highlight in all my books, these beautiful passages and these meaningful phrases that you want to carry with you um, and, you know, savor uh, for longer than you really can. Um, and I've never done it. I don't know if I ever will, but I have one in my head. <laughs> I started one last year just for that reason and writing down the quotes like you said because I don't often go back to the book to open it or I read a lot of library books where I can't annotate in so I'm like okay well and so I ended up grabbing a journal last year and writing some favorite quotes down and thought one day maybe I'd share it with my children I had this like grandiose idea we'll see if that (laughs) comes to fruition (laughs) well I love to hear that you've actually done it maybe that will inspire me to do the same thing yeah all right well anything else you'd like to add about our first book um gosh oh I would like to say that if you are if you've never read historical fiction or um if you haven't read these huge chunks of books like a Ken Follett thousand pager to not let yourself be intimidated by it um because you can do it piece by piece um and 
as you get through, you know, the beginning and have kind of fallen in, it will go so fast. I mean, I know a lot of people like to do books on the e-readers and things like that. Um, I'm definitely more of a hold it in your hand kind of girl. Um, but if a really huge book intimidates you, then maybe on an e-reader would be helpful too, because you're not having that visual of, you know, what you have to get through. Absolutely. Yeah. I was trying to think, I don't think there's like any maps or depictions of the church that were in this book. I think it just was the front cover, right? So you don't necessarily need to have it as a hard copy. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, that was The Pillars of the Earth, which is the first book of the Kingsbridge series by Ken Follett. All right. What's our second book we'll be sampling today? So our second one is a series as well, um, because I can't follow the rules. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is how we get more books in the flight. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Um, And so this one is called The Mark of the Lion series by Francine Rivers. um, And the first book in it is called A Voice in the Wind. Um, And this is technically historical fiction also, but it's also Christian fiction. Um, And this is a book that was recommended to me by my grandmother. um, And I love that. uh, It's, and it, you know, and again, holding it in my hands and opening it up reminds me of her too, which is, you know, that's a whole other tangent. Um, (laughs) But this book um, is set in about 70 AD in Jerusalem. So, um, you know, a few decades after Christ was born and died, um, and it's during the Roman siege of um, of Jerusalem and the Jews and the war that goes on between them. Um, and so you're getting a lot of uh, um, Christian principles and ideas and faith-based um, characters in this book. But at the same time, you are being taken back to a historical point that whether or not you're a Christian happened um so all the history in that um aspect was really interesting to me too and being able to put real facts and um and people and happenings to these things that i had learned as um you know in church or in sunday school growing up um that maybe not everybody believes but there are other parts that are fact no matter what um Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting um an interesting take on that, I think. The few books I have read um, that have been like a fictionalized account of a biblical story, again, like you said, kind of back to the first book we talked about, it it gave me such a picture of that where I might have not always, I might have not made those same connections with just reading the Bible verse, but, you know, to delve into one specific character or, um, that period of history, it gave me such a better picture and um, I think understanding of the biblical story in itself. So I really, I have not read this one in particular, um, but I've loved those books of Christian fiction for that reason. Yeah, it's interesting. And when you think about, because I know Francine Rivers, she, uh, her ministry is her books, you know, and so all her characters are, um, are working through spiritual issues or, um, or, you know, deciding on what their relationship with God is going to be. Um, but Ken Follett, he writes a lot about the church and religious characters and things like that as well, um, because that does have so much to do with history too, all over the world. But he's actually an atheist. Um, and a lot of his characters have really strong spiritual religious ties. So it's interesting to see how 
two authors who are from completely different yeah. sides of the spectrum, you know, put that in differently. Um, wow. But in the Mark of the Lion, um, the main character, Hadassah, is a Jewish slave girl whose family has been um, killed by Roman soldiers. And she's taken in as a slave to a Roman home. Um, and so it's about her deciding who she's going to be in this home that is so different from the way that she grew up and how she's going to um, speak her truth and speak the gospel to a family whose entire life is intentionally closing off um, to what she's trying to do and how God works um, in ways that we just can't understand. Um, and so that's a book that I have read over and over and over. Um, and every time really speaks something different to me um, based on where I am in my faith and where I am in my life. Um, and it's a book that I never keep in my house because every time <laughs> I buy a new copy, <laughs> I just give it to somebody else when I'm done. Um, and that's something that I think is really special about books too. Um, and I don't ever really feel bad about buying new ones because when I do, I know that I'm going to be passing them along to other people. Um, and I hope that they will do the same thing. And it, it makes you think about like those old library cards that you used to have, you know, and you could see who else was checking them out. And um, that would be something fun to do in books as you're passing them on, you know, everybody write a little note in there about how this affected you and pass it on. That would be great. I always think of myself like I kind of am book matchmaking a little bit with my friends, like you said, like, oh, yeah. I think she would really like this book. So I'm going to pass it to her or whoever I pass it along to. I'm kind of thinking about them as I'm reading them. Um, and so I love that. We actually were at the San Diego Public Library recently and we found a book that had one of those old library cards in there. And I mean, I felt like it was like a relic. I'm like, oh, kids, come over here. And like, this old library card. <laughs> because so they've literally never seen one. And that is not for lack of us frequenting the library. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy to think about what it's going to be like for them when they're adults, you know. And that's part of the reason why I feel like I'm such a... Um, you know, original book type of person, um, because that might be gone one day, you know? Um, and I think there's something about being able to hold something in your hands and flip back the pages, you know, Oh, I, I remember what they said about that, or I need to clarify that. Um, and just the smell and the feel. And I think about, I look at all these words on paper and I think about the author, you know, sitting there and typing it or writing it out by hand if it was a really long time ago. Um, and there's just so much that goes into it that makes it feel really special. Yeah, that's, I've, you know, thought about as I've been doing the show, like, okay, well, there's some books obviously that don't work for me and everybody's going to have books that don't work for them, but I'm like, I probably, you know, I'm not going to go out and book bash because I know how much this author put in to, the, to make this work happen. And it probably just means that it just wasn't the right book for me. And maybe it's just not the right time for me to read this book. It could be the right book later. But <laughs> I know yeah. I can appreciate the amount of time and work that goes into creating that book. Yeah. And it, it is hard to not book bash sometimes because, you know, when you haven't, when you're reading something and you're like, really? Like, <laughs> how do you know how to get through sometimes? But that's a good perspective to have on it you know um somebody was writing from from their life from their experiences and could speak to somebody else that it didn't in the way just like these books that we love you know probably aren't for everybody else and and that's okay yeah 
Absolutely. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add about uh, the Mark of the Lion series or the Voice in the Wind? And I think just the same with historical fiction. You know, if you don't like history uh, or if you um, if a really huge book is intimidating to you, if you are not a spiritual person or you're not a Christian, just because something is um, labeled Christian fiction, maybe don't let that deter you. Give it a shot anyway, because, I mean, the story itself is good, even if you don't align with the foundation. So. Yeah. And I actually, I meant to say when we were talking about where talking about her, but about Hasid and how being a slave in this home and her probably grappling with how she was going to continue to maintain who she was as a person of faith, you know, and being a slave in the home, that was probably a huge, you know, a a bit of courage, right? Yeah. (laughs) And bravery to show up like that. Yep. Story of a strong female character who's going to be who she is no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'm excited. I'm adding that one to my TBR. Yay. I can't (laughs) wait to hear what you think. All right. So that was the Mark of the Lion series and specifically the first book being the Voice in the Wind series or Voice in the Wind book by Francine Rivers. And then what's our last book today? So the last one, I sort of hesitated um, to add this one in because I didn't want it to be cliche, um, but I'm sure there are plenty of people who still haven't read it. Um, And it's The Help by Catherine Stockett. And if you haven't read the book, you've probably seen the movie or at least heard of it. Um, but this is a little more contemporary, I mean, contemporary fiction in that it's not, you know, Middle Ages or 70 AD. Um, and I think it only came out, what, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Um, maybe Gosh, even it hasn't even been that long. I'm like terrible with time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's set in 1960s, um, Jackson, Mississippi. And it's a story about um, a white privileged uh, woman who is who writes a book um, based on the experiences of the help or of the servants um, who work in these privileged white homes. Um, And I think that this one is really interesting because the author is a white privileged woman who had help in her home growing up um, and she has said that she hesitated to write the book because she didn't feel like it was necessarily her story to tell. Um, But it was her story as this was Mm -hmm. the experience that she had had growing up. Um, But she wanted to make sure that she was honoring um, the, the culture and the experience of black women taking care of other people's families of white women's families. Um, and what they had to go through in that. And so this one as history through stories, um, you know, definitely hit more closer to home because it was, you know, only 40, 50, 60 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're still seeing the effects of so much of this in in our day-to-day, in our country. Um, But I think it was brave to to take that leap out and, um, and write these stories down because history, you know, as we, uh, again, to be cliche, we hear the history was written by the victors, right? Um, And so we have to be careful when we are pulling things that we're going to believe from history and teaching it to our children, um, where we're getting our information from. Um, But I think that, where was I going with that? Um, 
that it was brave of her to do so because she, oh, this is it. She was using her, um, her platform and her privilege to give voice to people who otherwise would not have had that voice. And that was what the main character in the book, um, Skeeter Phelan was wanting to do as well. She knew that if she put something out, it was going to be listened to um, and that these women had stories that needed to be told for many reasons. Um, and again, um, the main character, Skeeter, comes up against a lot of obstacles and um, and has a lot of uh, fear about what she is going to be putting out into the world because of um, the racial tension and political tension during that time. Um, but sometimes when we jump off of that um, cliff, not knowing what's going to happen at the end. Um, you know, there are beautiful ripples that come out from that. So I think that's an inspiring um, model for us. Absolutely. I did not know that about the author, that she was using kind of her background um, or her, you know, growing up, her experiences to from the book. I didn't know that. I think it's really cool to look at where the author is coming from, um, you know, when they were writing their books and their, and their reasons for it. Um, because yeah, it gives you a different perspective on the story as a whole. Um, Do you usually research before or after you read the story about the author? Um, usually after, um, you know, and I'll read the, about the author at the very end and then kind of rabbit hole, um, from there. (laughs) Um, but, that um, Catherine Stockett actually, ha- uh, the last I heard, has not um, released anything else. And people have been, you know, her agent, et cetera, have been asking her, you know, well, what's the next thing that you're going to put out? And she has said she doesn't want to do anything else or is nervous to let anything else come out because of the success of um, The Help, because that was her first novel. Okay. And so she's like, oh, I don't know, you know. Um, but yeah, it's... <laughs> There's so much that goes into writing a novel, like we were saying earlier. Um, and it's, you know, someone's someone's life, someone's soul, someone's experiences, um, which is partly why it's important to not negatively critique or over negatively critique um, people's books because there's so much more to it than just the words on the page. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is a book that I think I, I very rarely watch TV, not many movies, just because I would prefer to read a book in the quietness of the evening. Um, But this was one that I saw the uh, movie as well. And I think they actually did a very good job with the rendition of the movie and keeping it true to the story. That was Yeah, I thought so. Because as I many book lovers would probably agree, right? That you know the book is better than the movie, um, mm-hmm. and it's hard to watch uh, movies or shows based off of books that you love because we create these pictures in our heads. Um, and when it's different than that, you know, it feels like somebody's stealing it from you almost. Um, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with this one as well, um, and it's one that doesn't get old for me. So. This could probably be a good reread, too. I was just thinking. I'm like, gosh, it's been a long time since I've read it. There's a line that I tell my daughter whenever, when she used to nap, I would tell her, you know, you're beautiful, you're smart, and you are important. And I would tell her that every nap time. I don't put her to bed much anymore because my youngest insists that mommy put him to bed right now. So my (laughs) husband does the big kids. But, um, yeah, I just, it's like, you know, I think that's so important. 
for her mm-hmm. to hear. So Absolutely. hopefully she carries it with her, even if you're not, you know, if you're not doing bedtime anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she does. And like little snippets of things she said, she'll say. So from what I remember of her, she definitely knows that yeah. she's beautiful and kind and important and strong. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add about that one? Um, I think that one's covered. Okay, so that was The Help by Catherine Stockett. And then I would like to give you a little dessert pairing today as a thank you for coming on the show. Um, I have a couple books that I had written down for you, and I'm going to give you the option. You can choose what period you would like to learn about. So I have one that is about China in the 19th century. I have one that's about the Civil War and then Another one actually about a Benedictine uh, cloistered convent of nuns. Ooh. So which way would you like to go? <laughs> well, I wouldn't call myself a Civil War junkie, um, but I definitely love anything that has to do um, with that period. Um, so I think I'm going to take that one. Okay. So the one I'm thinking of for you is called The Widow of the South, and that is by Robert Hicks. Is that one you're familiar with? No, I haven't even heard of it. Okay. So this one takes place in, it's set in Franklin, Tennessee, and the year is 1864, and it's the height of the Civil War. And unfortunately for our main character, her name is Carrie McGavick, the war happens to be at the doorstep of her home. And the battle that ensues in Franklin, Tennessee, leaves 10,000 wounded men or dying men right in her area. And she lives in a large home in the area. So her home quickly becomes a makeshift hospital to care for these wounded and dying men. And she doesn't have much training, but she, the doctors and everybody, she lets everybody into her home, the medics that are taking care of these men. And they're all coming in They're ripping up all her beautiful towels from her home to use as bandages for these men. Um, And she is just, it kind of lands in her lap, right? Like she's not prepared that this was going to happen. Um, So what ensues in these pages is, it was incredible. I cried. And listeners who've been with me for a little bit, you know, I cry in most books. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the sign of a good book that makes me cry. <laughs> I cried multiple times over this book, um, just from the characters that you meet, these men that come in, and in particular, this man who actually was a Yankee soldier, so opposite, right, because she lived on the Confederacy side, um, and he really was ready to die. And she saw something in this man where she's like, no. And she, that kind of just lit the spark underneath her. I mean, she had already opened up her home, but she just took to this man and was like, I'm not going to let him go. Like, he's going to make it out of here. And so she kind of, you know, there's this, there's, you know, some things that maybe happened between these two characters. Um, And it is just a beautiful story about her. It actually is a true story. Oh, love it. It is it is a historical fiction, but it's based on a true story. Right. And she just the dignity that she gives to these men and you know, whether they passed away, she's making they end up having a graveyard on the land of her property because she's like, well, How do I give dignity to these men that died? And no matter what side of the line they were on, it didn't matter if they were Confederate or Yankee soldiers, um, contacting the families to let them know where their loved ones had died 
and just everything she did. It was it was an incredible story, and um, you know, I hope I didn't spoil it because I don't think you learn till the end that it is a true story. But it just makes it that much better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of a story when you learn um, that it was based on a true story and someone actually did this. And I I love books like this that make me think: Would I do the same if that yeah. if that situation showed up on my doorstep? Would I do the same thing? Yeah. Well, and that's what, well, why we learn history, right? To, to learn from the past, to help us be able to make better decisions about the future, just with us as individuals, but um, also for our society as a whole. Um, and so being able to, yeah, close a book and know that you learned something from it and that you can be a better person for it um, just really feels like, yeah. Yes. And that moment that you sit there, like you just, I sometimes will close it and just sit there for a few minutes to think about it, right? Like it just stays with you and you're pondering it. It's it's really a good story. So I hope that you enjoyed that one. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was The Widow of the South by Robert Hicks as our dessert pairing. So what we'll do to end our episode is what I call our bonus pairings. And they're just a round of speed questions you can answer really quick. Um, and we'll do that to finish up. Yay. So where is your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read, um, I would say in bed, um, you know, with my little side light on and maybe a bowl of popcorn next to me, um, something like that. But anywhere where it's silent in the rest yes. of the <laughs> I have a hard time reading with background noise. Like I really have to be in the quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And then what is one book that you have read that has changed your life? Um, I mean, we already talked about Anne of Green Gables. Um, and I think about her as a mother a lot, um, you know, reading the entire series. Um, I think if I had to choose one though, um, (laughs) another, another Francine Rivers book, um, called Redeeming Love. And that is actually, um, analogy of um a book in the bible um and it's about um how god chases after us over and over and over again um no matter how far we go and what we do to turn away from him um but he uses the romantic relationship um between the two characters in the book um a farmer and a prostitute who he makes his wife and who he chases after her over and over and over again um and it makes me almost cry just talking about it and knowing how loved we are um and that nothing we can do will ever change that so that's another one that i give away over and over (laughs) it is a beautiful story i think actually you and then I, I have a, another friend, Brittany, that recommended that book to me. And then I was like, all right, I'm picking it up. So <laughs> and it was a beautiful book. I really enjoyed reading that. Oh, good. I'm glad. All right. Which do you prefer? I think you've already answered this. Do you listen to audiobooks at all or do you do only hard copy? I do hard copies for myself, um, okay. but my kids and I do audiobooks a lot wow. together. Um, I can't concentrate on my own adult book as much when there's, you know, everything going on. Um, but we listen to audiobooks in the car a lot. We do a lot of driving, traveling. And um, that's one of my favorite things that I get to do with my kids, especially as a homeschool parent. Um, it brings up incredible conversations um, and tons of laughter and memories. Um, and they now listen to audiobooks on their own all the time. On, you know, they each have an Alexa in their room and 
um, if I had a nickel for every time I heard Alexa play Ramona Quimby, Alexa play Harry Potter, Alexa, you know. Oh, I love um, that. My <laughs> oldest is has just started listening. Alexa's really Alexa. responsive. <laughs> that is too good. I love it. Oh, um, that was good. Yeah, so that's been really great for us because um not only are they, you know, getting this love of reading um, that they can do without me, even if they're not, um, you know, proficient readers yet themselves, um, but they can listen to the same things over and over and get something different out of it every time, just like we were saying earlier. Um, and it has really bonded us, I think, as um, them as siblings and us as, you know, kids and um, and mom. So that's really special to me. Yeah, I've used that actually as when my kids drop the nap, like, hey, you know, we still are going to do quiet time. We'll still all have like our 30 minute break in the day. You can go to your room and do whatever you want. But an audiobook is an option of something that they can choose to do. You yeah, know, I, we all have our, you know, 30 minutes of space in the, <laughs> in the day. So all right. And then last question, what are you reading next? Oh, um, I currently just picked up from the library from one of their, you know, little tables, like I was saying, it's called Songs in Ursa Major. Okay. Um, and I don't have it next to me. Um, and I can't remember who the author is, um, but it is set in um, late 1960s, early 70s, um, the music scene. And okay. it's about um, a man um, who is, a, you know, huge up and coming rock star. He gets in a motorcycle accident and this sort of, you know, local hometown, no one really knows about them band um, has to take their place at a music festival, take his place. Hmm. And but then she ends up um, caring for him after his accident. She's a nurse as well. Um, and so it's about their relationship and um, the music industry. But I've only a few chapters in, but so far it reminds me very much of Daisy Jones and the Six, yeah. um, which I cried. It stuck with me. That book was absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, I have a whole list. Um, my sisters and I have a little chat um, on Facebook and, you know, everything that we're always reading, we, you know, post it in there and okay, this is the next one. This is the next one. Um, so I always have something to pull from if I'm not sure what my next recommendation is, you know, is going to be. So it's fun. I think that's great to have that. You know, you have yeah, either I, I'm an only child, but you have either your sisters or you have I have my friends that I consider my sisters, right? That I'm like, okay, tell me the next book or, or we're reading we're trying to read the same book around the same time yes. so we can yes. discuss it. So it's good to have that little crew of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not the only book crazies out there in the world. There's lots of us. Yes, we we are, and we're going to make our kids them too. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I know your time is really precious, so I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Kara. It was so fun. It's so fun to have something for us that we get to do, you know, and I was so honored that you that you picked me out of all your book friends to do it. I'd love to do it again. Thank you for listening to Desiree Rios and I and our discussion today on her History Through Stories book flight. We'd love to hear what other books you might pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. 
I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time. Thank you.